Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. Welcome to All Along the Wasatch. I'm Mike Parsons, and my guests today are from the Utah chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, Executive Director Stacy Culp, and Senior Director of Marketing and Communications for the Rocky Mountain Region, Jim Herlihy. Welcome to you both. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much, Mike. It's great to have you here. We're going to talk about Alzheimer's disease and what Alzheimer's Association is doing about that. We'll also talk about your walk that's coming up this coming Saturday. But before we talk about all that, let's get to know each of you a little bit. Stacy. maybe just a little bit about your background and how you came to be in your current role. Sure, happy to. Well, I joined the Alzheimer's Association as the executive director for the Utah chapter just over a year ago, so I'm still fairly new to the association. The mission is near and dear to my heart, however, and prior to that, I was in the nonprofit sector here in Utah for over a decade, coming from the blood cancer world. Hmm. And Jim, how about you? I have been with the association for nearly eight years now. And prior to joining the Alzheimer's Association, I have an extensive career in profit and nonprofit uh, communications. But I saw this opportunity with the association and the importance of the cause and felt like this was the right place to be. Great. Let's establish right off the bat, what is Alzheimer's disease and what is not Alzheimer's disease but is related? Jim, do you want to take that one? Sure. Alzheimer's is a type of dementia that affects memory, thinking, and behavior and the symptoms eventually grow severe enough to interfere with our daily life. Uh, There are things that it's not. um, There are many symptoms of Alzheimer's that can be part of normal life. Uh, And so that's why it's important to go to your physician to get a diagnosis. But changes in memory uh, that occur to all of us, we forget where we park our car, we forget where we put our keys, those are all parts of normal aging. But when these things happen that uh, that really are out of the ordinary, such as keeping your keys in the freezer or getting in your car and not remembering how to turn it on, mm. that is a sign of changes that are more significant and um, they warrant a check by a professional physician. And is it correct to say that Alzheimer's disease is a type of dementia? It's, it's the most common type of dementia? That's correct. Dementia is more of an umbrella term, and there are other forms of dementia, vascular dementia, Lewy body disease, frontotemporal dementia, alcohol-related dementia, and many others. And so they each have their own unique symptoms. They manifest themselves differently. And so that, again, is a reason to get a diagnosis because uh, there are also things that can mimic uh, Alzheimer's, such as uh, depression, neutral de- uh, nutritional deficiencies, uh, stress, uh, the side effects of medication, uh, diabetes, even Lyme disease can create some of the symptoms of mm. Alzheimer's, but they are curable. And so all the more reason to go to a doctor to find out if you've got something that's treatable versus something that um, like Alzheimer's that requires a different type of care. And you mentioned a little bit there, what are some of the early warning signs that we can watch for my parents are both in their 80s now, so we, we kind of watch them closely. What what are we looking for? And then 
maybe just uh, some self-awareness, what, what, what types of things would we notice in ourselves as early warning signs? Yeah. The, I mean, the most common one with Alzheimer's is memory loss that disrupts your daily life. Uh, like I said, you know, you may forget where you put something, but eventually that memory comes back to you or the name of an actor that you're trying to remember who's in a movie. Uh, but some of the other symptoms include challenges in planning or solving problems, uh, difficulty completing familiar tasks, uh, confusion with time or place, uh, changes in mood or personality, uh, decreased or poor judgment. Um, these are mostly Alzheimer's symptoms, but you know, for those of us who watch the news and we've heard of some, you know, popular people in our culture who have been diagnosed with diseases, um, dementia-related diseases, like Bruce Willis, mm. who has a form called aphasia, where he has trouble speaking and understanding language. Uh, with Lewy body disease, there's more um, uh, hallucinations. So each of them can be unique, but it really is something that is totally out of the ordinary. I mean, if you go home for Thanksgiving and your mom has always made pies and she forgets the recipe for a pie she's made for 30, 40 years, uh, that, that is the kind of sign that you might, you know, might want to say, you know, maybe we should go get this checked out. Yeah. Do we know what causes Alzheimer's disease? The most common um, cause of Alzheimer's is age. Uh, as we age, we become more susceptible to the changes that happen in our brains. Uh, but there are other things. There are genetics. Uh, and, and research is really telling us a lot of new things now about things, factors that can contribute to our risk for dementia. And they include air pollution. Uh, they include uh, head trauma. Um, you know, people who serve in the military or who, you know, play competitive sports where there are head injuries. I mean, football, soccer are among those where, you know, we've all read of um, stories of athletes who've been diagnosed with what they call CTE. Right. Um, and, and so that is a, a side effect of that. And so we know that in sports, you know, you see football players wearing bulkier helmets now. And that is part of the effort to try and protect the athletes from that kind of an injury. I know there's no cure for Alzheimer's, but are there things we can do to, to, to prevent it or at least slow it down? Well, there are. And there's things that each of us can be doing. I mean, you know, the saying among Alzheimer's doctors and researchers is what's good for the uh, body, body is good for the brain. Uh, and so we should be eating a heart-healthy diet. We should be exercising. We should be socializing. Uh, we need to keep our brains active. And those are the kinds of things that can help offset uh, some of the effects of aging. Uh, there was a study recently that looked at um, working past retirement age and even just volunteering. And they found that there was a significant uh, effect of working or volunteering later. And interestingly, the people who volunteered actually got a greater benefit than those who worked because oh, wow. they were doing something they loved yeah. as opposed to working for a paycheck. That makes sense. Stacy. maybe you could take this one. What What is the purpose of the Alzheimer's Association? What do you do? Well, I mean, you know, in simplest terms, we're working towards a world without Alzheimer's right. and all other dementia. Um, and, you know, we focus our efforts uh, first and foremost on, you know, maximizing quality care and support uh, to those throughout our communities, accelerating global research, 
Um, Jim just mentioned some risk reduction, right? Driving that risk reduction um, and also being the voice uh, for caregivers and those with the disease advocating on their behalf, uh, making sure that they have access to, you know, the care and treatment that they deserve, uh, as well as other areas of support. So in, in broad terms, that's, that's what we're about and that's what we do. Uh, and our vision is a world without this disease. Right. Digging through the website, it looks like there's lots and lots of resources there, lots of things that are available for every possible thing you can think of relating to Alzheimer's disease. So there's some really great resources on your website. You mentioned caregivers. And for me, this is one disease where I I think being a caregiver, I don't know that it's just as hard as having Alzheimer's, but it's certainly really difficult. What sort of resources do you offer caregivers? We have a number of resources that we offer them. uh, And it is, it's what I have learned in you know, my time with the association, um, first seen it firsthand with my husband's aunt and uncle. You know, his uncle is currently battling dementia. I adore his aunt. And being, you know, that kind of front line of seeing what she has had to deal with on a day-to-day basis, you know, it's a 24-hour disease. And um, caregivers can feel extremely lonely, overwhelmed. You know, the impact that it has on their own health and well-being is tremendous. So we want to make sure that caregivers know the support services that we have available to them, offering support groups locally, both in person and virtually, as well as a number of other resources. And I'd have to say one of the most impactful resources that we have is our helpline. And, you know, these are trained specialists that are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, like I said, this is not a Monday through Friday, nine to five disease. And so a lot of these caregivers get into high-stress situations where, you know, they're, um, they need that support. They need to be able to understand this disease better or maybe what their spouse or loved one is, you know, how they're currently acting and reacting and, and what they need to do to help them. And so these specialists, um, you know, are there to be able to, to walk them through that and provide that immediate uh, information, but also to help them come up with a game plan, right? You know, when your loved one's first diagnosed, it's the deer in the headlights and, what is this journey going to be like, both for my loved one, but for me as a caregiver, uh, and for them to be able to kind of take the time to do that care consultation and come up with a plan, um, but really for them to be there every step of the way. So that's really the the number one resource beyond our website that anytime I'm talking with a caregiver is to reach out to our helpline. My colleagues are there to help any hour of every day, um, and they're a huge resource. My guests this morning are from the Utah chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, Executive Director Stacey Culp, and Senior Director of Marketing and Communications for the Rocky Mountain Region, Jim Herlihy. And I should have mentioned, I mentioned the website, but not the address. It's an easy one to remember. It's alz.org. And then if you just add a slash Utah to that, it'll take you to the local page. But at the top of every single page is that 24-7 helpline, which is 800-272-3900. So, Jim, we've mentioned a couple of times there's really no cure for Alzheimer's, short of stopping time. What uh, advancements, though, are being made in the treatment? I know there's been some news lately about a new medication. Well, there's a couple of new advancements. Um, one I will mention, this this was uh, really discovered and refined about three years ago, was learning the impact of high blood pressure on our Alzheimer's and dementia risk. And what doctors found was if you could lower your blood pressure from 140 is the systolic number, the high, you know the mm-hmm. first number, 
typically might be like 140 over 80. If you can lower that to 120 over 80 uh, or, or something like that, they found that uh, risk for developing dementia dropped by about 20 percent. Hmm. And so that's one of the factors that contributes to the increased risk for some populations, such as um, black Americans have about a double risk for Alzheimer's. Uh, Hispanic Americans are about 50 percent higher. And a lot of that is due to heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes and that sort of thing. But in addition to that, just in the last year, uh, the FDA has approved two medications that have proven to be effective in helping people uh, in the earliest stages of Alzheimer's to slow the progression of their uh, developing dementia. It doesn't yet stop it. It's not a cure, but it is a significant advancement in giving people much more quality of life, uh, more time with their families, uh, and frankly, less time in uh, assisted living facilities, which can be quite costly. So people do talk about the cost of these medications, but there are benefits on the financial side as well. Right. Uh, the two names of those are Edgehelm and Lakembi. And for different people based on their diagnosis, uh, and these medications do require a doctor's diagnosis and prescription, but they are showing that they can you know, slow down and almost stop, in some cases, the progression of the disease, at least for a period of time. That's encouraging. Is Alzheimer's disease increasing? Is it becoming more prevalent, or is it just that we're living longer, so we're seeing it more often? It is that we're living longer um, because age is that risk. I mean, there's a, a common rule of thumb that if you walk into a room and there's three people who are 85 years of age and older, at least one of them will be living with Alzheimer's and mm. one will be a caregiver. Oh, wow. Um, but there are, you know, there are all of these other factors, too. So, uh, I mean, our population is growing, and that's helping to fuel the increased numbers. I mean, the number of baby boomers who have passed 65 and 70 is, uh, you know, it's a steady march. Right. And so that is adding to the numbers, certainly in this country. And Stacy, the the Salt Lake County Walk to End Alzheimer's coming up this coming Saturday, the thirtieth. I know you've had walks all over the state, uh, but the Salt Lake County Walk is coming up this Saturday. Tell us all about that. Well, we're so excited. So, for those that are not familiar, the Walk to End Alzheimer's is the world's largest fundraiser for the Alzheimer's um, Association and to support care uh, and research. And like you mentioned, we've had a few walks so far. And there's actually more than 600 walks that take place throughout communities nationwide. We have seven here in Utah, our largest being the Salt Lake County Walk, which is this Saturday. It's going to be held at America First Field. And it is just, it's a free event. It's fun. Um, It's family friendly. There's so much to do. Kids activities, food trucks, there'll be a selfie station, We're so excited this year that we'll have different dance groups from the Asian community performing um, before we lead up to our opening ceremony. And then, of course, booths from our local community partners just sharing their important information and resources. So it starts at 10, and then we have our Promise Garden ceremony that starts at 11, followed by a short walk. The walk's about a mile. It's not too long. We do have a shorter route for those that need it. And we're just so grateful for you know, the community support uh, is also our leading local sponsors for the Salt Lake Walk, which are Granger Peak, MBK Senior Living, 
AARP and Truewood by Merrill. So it's going to be a fun event that we would love to see the community come out and support. And for those that don't know, America First Field is now the name of what we've known as Rio Tinto Stadium for a long time. So that, that's, exactly. that's the location. <laughs> so um, you, you would love for people, well, people do need to register whether they're going to raise money or not, correct? Correct. Registration is free, and all registered participants will receive a flower, and they can register at alz.org forward slash walk. They can also call the office. We're happy to help them. Uh, our local number is 801-265-1944. They can also just show up on Saturday, and we can register oh, okay. them on site. So you would love for people to raise money for the walk, but that's not a requirement. Uh, everyone gets that promised garden flower, but am I correct that if you raise $100 or more, then you get the event T-shirt as well, right? You do, absolutely. Yeah. We encourage all participants, of course, to donate or to fundraise to help support our mission, but it's not required. But, yes, hitting that $100 mark will earn them the coveted walk shirt for this year. <laughs> and you mentioned the promise garden. Uh, everybody chooses a different color flower. Maybe talk about that just a little bit. I love the flowers. It's such a beautiful visual. Um, I've been to many walks so far, and it's emotional every time I see the community come together and, and raise those up during our ceremony. So we have uh, four main colors that make up our promised garden flowers each representing a different connection to our cause. So for purple, those are for individuals that have lost a loved one to this disease. Yellow is for our amazing caregivers. Blue represents those that are currently living with Alzheimer's mm. or other dementia. And orange is your support for the mission. So you, you might not have you know a, a loved one that is currently diagnosed, but you are absolutely wanting to support our vision of a world without this disease. I will add, there is one other flower that we represent in this ceremony, and that is the white flower. And the white flower is to represent our first survivor of Alzheimer's. Mm. And I know we're going to get there, but for now we show it during that ceremony. It sounds like it's not real somber or maybe this part of it, the promise garden, but the rest of it sounds like a really fun day, very upbeat, uh, fun with, with kids and and. What about pets? Can pets come? <laughs> yes, yes. We love to have pets come to our walks, um, and they just play such an important role, of course, of showing support and love uh, and care. And so we love to see pets join us. And it is, you know, it during that ceremony, of course, when everyone's holding their flowers, it is um, very emotional mm -hmm. just to see the impact that this disease has had. But then we get all riled up because we know <laughs> that we are walking for a good cause uh, and that we're making a difference. And so it's a celebration. It's yeah. a celebration leading up to that uh, and to walk and really bring this community together. So, of course, the number one thing that every nonprofit needs and wants is more funding. And so that's the best way to help. But what other ways can people help the Alzheimer's Association here in Utah? Well, for us, I mean, gosh, you know, volunteers are the heart of what we do, right? We know that uh, we're just scratching the surface of the number of people that really need to know that we're here and the services that we provide. So having more boots on the ground is going to be critical to making sure that our communities have that support. So volunteer opportunities, um, whether that's one, someone wanting to lead a support group in their community, um, and, of course, we provide all the training for that and other ways that they can help on our program side. We're always looking for advocates to lend their voice, to share those stories 
um, to bring a face to this disease uh, when we need to bring up important, you know, things that we're kind of shooting for on the local front, but also on the national front. So advocates, absolutely. And then, of course, our volunteers that lead the charge with our walk and the longest day, and whether that's just helping on event day to being a part of the committees that really are the backbone uh, to lead the charge in their local communities to make sure that these walks really are engaging everyone, getting corporations involved, getting friends and family involved. So we have a number of volunteer opportunities that we would love to have people support. ALZ.org is the website, and then just add slash Utah, and that'll take you to the local information. Jim, big picture, the association, what are what are your goals moving forward for the next 5, 10, 15 years? What would you like to accomplish? Of course, the ultimate goal is that you're no longer necessary, but until then, what are your goals? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. We would love to put ourselves out of a job. Right. Uh, <laughs> being more realistic at this point, uh, as we have more treatments approved by the FDA and we move closer to a cure, we're focused on ensuring that those people who are eligible for these medications have access to those medications and keeping the cost down or reasonable is important. But beyond the cost, one of the biggest challenges that we face as a society is that only about half of the people with Alzheimer's are ever diagnosed. And without a diagnosis, you can't use those medications, you can't tap into the free resources of the Alzheimer's Association So helping people know that they need to get a diagnosis is critical. Um, And at this point, uh, the medications that have been approved by the FDA are limited to the people in the earliest stages of dementia. So again, a diagnosis is critical. Um, And so we need people to go to their their physicians. But for the rest of the people, and really this is the majority who are not in the early stages, the association is still committed to providing education, information, programs, and services for those individuals and their families. Um, But the ultimate goal, like you said, is a cure. Uh, We have been advocating actively with the U.S. government uh, to raise funding for research. And just in 10 years' time, that funding for research has increased from $500 million a year to about $3.8 billion. Wow. Wow. And and this – so that has been a significant uh, improvement, and that's help, helping us access some of these new medications. Uh, and the association itself uh, has committed over $320 million right now that's active in 1,000 projects. One thing that we can do is we can invest our money anywhere in the world. So we're active in 54 countries right now with Alzheimer's research, and, and we are the world's largest funder of that kind mm-hmm. of research. So we're going to continue doing that and and just working towards uh, the end of Alzheimer's as a medical challenge. Uh, What do we need from people? Um, Really, with the increase in funding for research, one thing that we do need from people in the community is to volunteer for clinical trials. Uh, We have so many more Alzheimer's research projects going on, and we need people from different backgrounds, different ages, to volunteer for these, and they can be in person or they can be online. Uh, They can contact the association through our helpline to get more details on that. But that is an essential part because one of the things researchers are finding is that everybody uh, from all different backgrounds may not have the same risk factors. Hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, there's 
different risks for African Americans and Hispanics, and and we don't know about other population groups around the world. So we need to have all sorts of people into these clinical trials so we can determine if one medication, one treatment, one cure will be the same for everybody. Gotcha. It's a great organization, and you're doing amazing work. Executive Director of the Utah Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, Stacy Culp, and Senior Director of Marketing and Communications for the Rocky Mountain Region, Jim Herlihy. Thank you both for your time and what you're doing in our community. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com.